Hey, it's Alex Vitkin. In this video, I'm gonna give you a complete breakdown on how to get started with your web development or app development business this year. We're gonna give you a complete presentation with slides and everything attached to it that's gonna allow you to get started. If you are interested in this, first of all, hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon so that you get updates. Before we get started, understand that this is a real training. I put a lot of time and effort into making this work for you. So you get a lot of value. You can actually get started for real. So make sure you have no distractions. So you have pen and paper ready. So you're taking notes and so that you know what to do after this video. Furthermore, one in 100 people who comment on this video, they will be selected by me to get a private consultation. You're gonna get a breakthrough session with me personally if you comment below in this video, you're getting an opportunity to work with me directly. So if you're interested in this, do comment below before you watch the video. That way you're gonna be one of the people who may get selected to talk to me directly on a breakthrough session. So watch the entire video, understand the training, make sure it's right for you, make sure you understand this will take a lot of work to build an agency. This is not some quick, rich, whatever. This is a real training for real business owners. So let's get started with the video. So the first thing you're gonna need to become a freelance web developer is sales. You need to learn not just how to get leads, but how to actually close the leads, how to get people to pay you money and how to make it so it's enough money so you're happy and it's worth it doing full-time, doing freelancing or running an agency full-time. If they're not paying you enough, it is gonna be very difficult to quit your job eventually because you're gonna be stuck doing very cheap projects and you'll never have enough money to justify quitting your job. So the second thing that's necessary to become a freelance web developer is project management. When you have clients, when you close clients, you're gonna have to deal with them and you're gonna have to manage how much they pay you for every minute extra work that you do for them and to make sure that they're happy and they're getting what they've paid for, what they think that they've agreed to do and what you know that they've agreed to do and what it says in the contract, right? So managing the project, making sure the expectations are met, making sure the developers or yourself, if you're a freelancer, do it and it's done on time and it's done properly following the process that you've determined in the past. So the next part that you need to become a freelance web developer is scoping. You need to be able to scope projects to make sure that you charge enough money, preferably upfront, or if you do hourly to give them an estimate. If you do scoping right, you'll be able to charge more. If you do scoping wrong, you won't be able to charge enough money where it's worthwhile. You'll be working for free for a client at a certain point because the scoping was done incorrectly and the client refuses to pay more for the project, even though it's more work. So scoping has to be done right or it has to be set right with the expectations where you do extra work, which results in getting paid more. So the next thing you need to become a freelance web developer is hiring. You don't want to be freelancing and doing the technical work for forever yourself because it's not scalable. You're gonna hit a ceiling where you no longer can grow because you're just alone doing all the work. So you're gonna have to turn your freelancing career into an agency. It is absolutely crucial to hire from the most simple tasks in the beginning onwards to the more complicated tasks when your revenue grows. Very important part of becoming a freelance web developer is lead generation. If you wanna get good at lead generation, you need to be getting people on calls, on sales calls, to be able to grow your freelancing or agency business. And to do this, you need to have lead generation in place. To do this, we use freelancing platforms because they're the easiest way to get started. You don't need websites, complicated funnels, or anything like that. You need freelancing platforms to get started. The next thing you need to become a freelance web developer is market research, 
what to sell. Because as a developer, you have so much choice. Either you can do custom, you can do web applications, you can do mobile applications, you can just do websites, you can do pre-made websites, you can do CMS-based websites like Shopify and WordPress and so on. To determine what to sell, you should look at existing businesses and you should get mentorship and feedback from existing businesses to make sure you're selling the right thing that's been proven at scale where there's enough leads, there's enough developers, the technology's developed enough, and that way it's gonna be much better to scale. You're not gonna have to test projects, test certain industries if it's scalable in those industries, what you're offering. What you want to do is already offer what's been proven, but not proven too much. You still wanna be in a what's called a blue ocean, meaning in an industry where supply is lower than demand, so you can charge more and there's less competition. If you still have a full-time job, you need to be able to allocate 20 to 30 hours a week, very focused work on actual lead generation, actual sales, and actually working on your business and in your business. This is very crucial early on. You're not gonna do this in five hours a week. Don't even try, it doesn't work. What you need to do is allocate 20 to 30 hours into structure your life around your business, not your business around your life. Business is not a little sided income or a side hustle or something you try on the side. If you try on the side for too long, you will fail. The most you can achieve in 20 to 30 hours is proof of concept where you can get about $5,000 per month so that you can quit your day job. That is what it's designed for. That's what proof of concept is. You're not gonna build a seven or a six figure agency working five hours a week. It's not gonna happen. As I said in the beginning, this is not a quick and easy video. This is for people who wanna put in the hard work. As such, 20 to 30 hours proof of concept and then switch to full time, which is 40, 50 hours a week as a full-time business owner. The next thing you need to become a freelance web developer is logistics. Are you burdened with very high expenses? Are you paying off $5,000 mortgages? Well, if you are, I have some bad news for you. It's gonna make it much more difficult for you if you don't have savings and you're living paycheck to paycheck and paying off huge debt. It's gonna be very difficult for you to be able to start a business right now. You need to have the opportunity to invest time and you need to have the freedom where if you don't make money for a month or two, that is gonna be okay. The next thing you need to have as a freelance web developer is motivation. Do you have the ability and the motivation to sit down and work every single day, show up without anyone being your boss and do the work? Most people don't. Business is not for most people, but for the people who wanna achieve freedom, independence, they wanna achieve a level of wealth that is unavailable to employees, they need to take more responsibility. They're gonna to have to have massive motivation that is not just, I want money. It needs to be outside of themselves. It needs to be a deep-seated motivation to help the world, to help their clients, to help their family, and basically to succeed long-term. Long-term motivation wins. Long-term persistence wins over short-term shiny object syndrome. You need to know how to learn. You need to be able to sit down and learn difficult skills with limited information or contradicting information or too much information. You need to be able to combine that in your own mind in the most efficient way possible. The most efficient way that I know of to become a freelance web developer and succeed is to get mentored. Many people start freelancing and they try getting clients through referrals, friends, family, and so on. And it's really, really hard to get started like that because you don't really know what you're gonna get and there's not that much choice. There's not that many people that you know and there's not that many people that they know, not many companies that people run. So it usually, is a way to get one or two sales. But long-term, you need a consistent way to get clients every single month and to keep clients and deliver great results for them. To do this, I recommend starting on freelancing platforms because they take a lot of the guesswork out of this and they turn cold audiences 
into warm buyers that are already interested in buying web development services. So you basically want to avoid having to build your own website and drive your own traffic and try to convince people to buy your stuff from you. Instead, go on the platform and play the game that the platform wants you to play to get those clients early on. So if you go to Upwork, which is the number one platform for this type of thing, what do you sell? Because there's so many options there. And if you go look at the Upwork top 100 list, which I have in another video of mine, you'll see that there's actually a hundred current growing skills that are in demand. And many of those are related to development and web development. So most people, they look at the biggest one and that is a WordPress web development. So there's advantages and disadvantages to becoming a WordPress web developer as a freelancer or agency owner. And the advantages are there's so many thousands of job posts. There's so much demand. It's almost inevitable that you're going to get some work from someone even if you're not very advanced as a WordPress developer, or even if you've learned it over the last two weeks, because it's not very complicated, let's be honest here. So what you want to be doing is, if you want to go into WordPress web development, you want to focus on projects that are $1,000 and above on Upwork and get started like that. So what you can do other than WordPress is landing page web development. Now with that, you can use tools like ClickFunnels and also WordPress or any other platform or do custom HTML work and you can deliver work like that. So these projects, they're a little bit cheaper usually. So for landing pages, I recommend also charging a thousand dollars and above. Just ignore anyone who won't pay that and go for 1000 above projects because those people actually know what they want and they are ready to pay it because they understand it's an important part of their business that they need in the short term. So they don't look, they don't look at it as I want a website built six months from now, but I wanted the landing page to be done now and I wanted to convert and I wanted to load fast and I'm willing to pay premium dollar for this. Those are the right types of leads for landing pages. So the third service that I currently recommend on Upwork for web developers is Shopify. Now Shopify, these are projects that are a thousand to 3000 and sometimes even $7,000 on Upwork. This is a more tricky platform to work with and the requirements are steeper, but the supply is lower because anyone these days can do landing pages and WordPress. So competition is higher, but for Shopify, there is best practices. You need to go through the documentation or find someone, another freelancer to help you with it who has more experience. It is a little bit more complicated with that. And that's why the projects are so much more expensive. There's also more money on the line usually because e-com websites, they generate quite a bit of money usually. Before someone wants to do e-com, they will have usually a budget or they already have a business, which definitely means they have a budget. So as you'll see, when you start to specialize and perfect your craft, and focus on things that truly matter to people with budgets, to people that are entrepreneurs and want to spend real money on web development, you'll soon realize that these are great people to work with. As long as you manage the client properly and you have the right contract and charge enough money, these problems tend to go away and you'll drift away from the crowd of people that is complaining about bad clients and bad this and bad that, and you'll actually be able to build a business. How to do market research on Upwork to find those juicy, juicy clients for your freelancing career or online agency. So the first thing you need to know is when you're doing market research, you're looking for a sufficient, a good enough number of job posts on Upwork that are appearing on a daily basis. So in the last 24 hours or so that don't have too many proposals sent to them. So 25 or fewer and who have clearly some budget, but they're not necessarily naming the budget. So they may not be saying 
I have a large budget, even they could even be saying my budget is like $100, but based on what they're writing, you can provide a lot of value to them and they're clearly looking for a long-term commitment, for a long-term project. Furthermore, you're looking for people that are looking to buy a service that you can deliver, okay? And preferably it's the same service. So if you're selling a certain type of ads, then you should target people who clearly need that type of ads for the project that they've posted on Upwork. So if they're looking for lead generation or the type of ads that you're selling, then they're probably the right lead. But they may not be saying the same exact keywords, the same exact words as you may have in mind when you're posting your profile and writing about this service that you're selling. So let's say you sell Google ads or Facebook ads, maybe your profile is all about, all about Google ads or Facebook ads, and a lot of the job posts are gonna be about Google ads or Facebook ads, but some of them are also gonna be about lead generation or related keywords. So you wanna create a list of those keywords and you wanna make sure that there are 20 plus people that are posting jobs related to those keywords on Upwork every day that fit into the filters that I've provided for you. These are the basic filters. You can narrow down or expand the filters as you move through Upwork and as you learn who you actually wanna to talk to. Also, you may want to make sure that the people that you're talking to, that they're from the right country. So high GDP countries where they can spend a lot of money on a project, $1,000 or above per month. So what you wanna be doing then is writing your profile and doing everything else that is necessary to get them on calls or perhaps even chat, but I recommend calls because you really wanna be talking to people in private on a private call to make sure that they're the right fit because it's risky doing business and you wanna work with the right people and you wanna guide them through the process of working with you. You don't wanna just have them interview you via chat or anything like that because that is very, very risky and long-term you'll really be almost their employee for a very cheap rate if you do that. So calls are not the easiest thing to learn. It's not gonna take you one day to learn it. It's gonna take a couple of weeks, but it's very much worth learning how to do calls with clients. How to get your profile approved on Upwork. In fact, I do know why people are struggling with this because they're creating profiles with the most commonly used uh, oversaturated things on Upwork and then they wonder why they don't get approved. Well, Upwork has a limit of how many people can sign up for a certain skill set and a certain service that people sell before they start blocking new accounts in that industry, in that niche. So what you wanna be doing is you wanna create an account for something that is currently being approved because they need more freelancers, more people on the platform, right? So what you wanna be doing is you wanna research what is a, a quite obscure, like some kind of weird translation, weird dialect, stuff like that and you can get your account approved like that. So create an account and make it based on an obscure skill that obviously isn't gonna be blocked because there's not a lot of people doing it. And that way you can get your account approved. So what people do on Upwork is they try to write this super long profile, which is like a resume to try to sell themselves as if it's for a job or to sell a service as if it's some kind of sales page. And I have to disagree with that. A profile is not really a sales page or anything like that. It is solely designed to get people on sales calls. You're not gonna be able to close high ticket sales, you know, $1,000 to $20,000 on Upwork, which is entirely possible, by the way. You're not gonna be able to close those by writing a profile trying to sell the service, okay? It's very unlikely to do that. What is likely is to convince people by providing proof and such 
to get on a call with you. Once you have them on a sales call, then it's possible to close any sale as long as the lead quality is good and you're selling the right thing. So forget all the resume style stuff and forget trying to sell yourself and the service and listing all the things you've ever done. What we're here to do on the profile is called single focus proof branding, which is focusing on a single thing that you've achieved and that your business has achieved and then providing proof for that and having a call to action, okay? So that's the general framework that we're gonna be using to write this profile example that I'm gonna give you. So first you need to start with an emotional hook. You really need to know what your buyers or potential buyers are interested about. The whole profile needs to be about them and what they care about and what they want. As long as you understand that and you can optimize this based on real data from sales calls that you get on, you're gonna be able to create a profile that actually converts. So an example of an emotional hook is, have you been scrolling through Upwork and there's all these freelancers who promise you the world but never deliver? Well, this is not one of those profiles. Most likely the buyer that is going through your profile has scrolled through a bunch of profiles and has scrolled through a bunch of proposals as well and they feel that way, right? So whatever they feel, whatever they feel stuck with, whatever they're aggravated with, you can call it out and help them solve it. Why is this different? Well, we're here to help you solve your problem. Let's say you sell Google Ads, which is driving traffic and converting the traffic on your site based on Google Ads. So then you provide proof. So why should you consider this service and not a different service? Here are some factors or some facts that my clients uh, are saying and have experienced. Here are case studies, here's quotes from them, here's even a video. So the next part should be what you're gonna get. Now this is designed as a benefit or benefit of a benefit. It's not really designed to uh, sell anything. So basically you say, you're going to get on a call with me and then we're gonna figure out the following things. Who you need to be targeting, which is your ideal audience and so on and so on, right? And on this call, again, because we're focused on the call, on this call I'm gonna provide you with complete clarity as if I'm already working with you so that you'll be able to form an exact strategy for your Google Ads and get started immediately, be it with me or without me. We'll be able to figure out if we're a good fit to work together. And then you have a call to action. So here's what we need to do next. Click the big green button and then contact me and then send me a time that you're available to talk and then we'll be able to arrange this call and potentially even get started with your Google Ads. So it's a very simple profile. It's maybe a thousand words, maybe a little bit less with lots of proof and a very simple structure, okay? You can also use the single focus proof branding style of headline, which is $1 million plus in revenue generated last month for my clients, for example, right? Single focus, meaning how much money has been created for clients. Proof, you have testimonials, case studies, and so on. And in terms of branding, that is your thing. That is what you're focusing on, and that is your brand you do Google ads and you generate this much money for clients, which is again, what they care about. They don't really care about the ads and stuff like that. So that forms a single focus proof branding style of headline. And then uh, the rest of the profile can serve as a way to prove it, but also to sell the actual call, not the service and not yourself as much. Upwork has been pushing specialized profiles since at least 2019. And I suggest having your profile be a sales letter 
to get people on calls on your general profile for a specific service and on your specialized profile, I suggest doing the same thing, meaning for the same service, just write a different call to action, different sales letter to convert people to sales calls. So you're gonna have, let's say you sell e-com websites on your general profile, that's what your general profile is gonna be about, and then your specialized profile should be about the same thing. Now, this is not exactly what Upwork wants you to do, right? But we're doing this for a very specific reason. So your general profile is going to have the same skill and the same service as your specialized profile. Whatever benefit Upwork is going to imbue the specialized profile with, you're likely to get it and whatever disadvantage you may get, you're likely going to avoid it since your general profile will be about the same service. Now make sure you understand this. This is a way to win regardless of what happens. So do you need new reviews for the specialized profile? No, your existing profile items that you choose can be listed under the specialized profile as well as the general profile. So in other words, the reviews for the service that your specialized profile sells or selected reviews, the best reviews, you can put under the specialized profile and you can choose this. Now, you won't need to build a new profile from scratch. That's what that means. And clients are clicking around on this side. They're not really familiar with Upwork as much as you're familiar with it. They don't spend as much time on it. So they may not even see your specialized profile. And if they look at your specialized, pro specialized profile, they may not even see your general profile. So it's better to just select the very best reviews highly related to the specialized profile and add those to the specialist profile and not the other one. So if you want to offer multiple services, so not just have one specialized profile, but multiple specialized profiles, here's a set of rules to follow to determine if you should indeed do that. So rule number one, are you going to get regular invites and jobs or projects for that specialization? And two, is it worth it for your business to offer these other services? because every service you add, even if it's just a few clients per year that are buying it, multiplies the complexity of your business because you're gonna have to have a process for delivery for project A and project B, which is a different type of project, and project C, which is a whole different type of project. You're gonna have to have processes for all this, which turns you into an employee of the business. And you don't wanna be an employee of the business. You wanna have a service that you offer repetitively like in a factory and you want to do the same thing over and over and over. So for more than one service and multiple specialized profiles, is there synergy between the second or third service you may want to offer? Do the same type of clients buy it? Can you upsell to the same type of clients? Does it make sense? Do they buy a Shopify store and do they need marketing afterwards? If yes, the second or third service you want to offer should fit perfectly the first service that you're already offering. And if that's the case, it may be worth it. Now it's time to discover how the Upwork job success score actually works. When you're talking to clients, make sure you're talking to them on a live call and that you determine that this is the best possible client to work with and that you're fairly certain that you can deliver the project, if not 100% certain. Then make sure that you establish with the client how the communication will go moving forward in terms of where it will happen, how frequently it will happen, which dates it will happen on, which hours it will happen on, and what will be discussed. This happens during or even right after you get paid by the client. Make sure they agreed with you verbally or even in writing. 
Also, you can agree with them that they are, they're guaranteeing you to leave a review on Upwork, okay? Because the review long-term is worth more than any one client. Why? Well, reviews, they lead you to rank higher in Upwork and get Upwork to treat you more seriously and get give clients the credibility that you need to get more clients. Another way of saying it is payments attract leads, which leads to sales and more payments by clients. So you're creating a never-ending upward spiral of success in Upwork. So you can become very, very successful in Upwork. And that's the secret sauce that most Upwork top-rated freelancers are using to grow their careers and their businesses on Upwork. So most freelancers, they focus on minimizing the damage of bad feedback or minimizing the damage of a client that is not happy. This is an incorrect way of using Upwork, in my opinion, because it will lead you to ever being ever reactive. So think of it this way. Imagine you're in a war situation, theoretically, and Upwork is like a battlefield. So how will you win the war? Is it by always defending and always reacting and always trying to resolve the bad success and the low success and the bad feedback and the bad reviews and the no feedback? Is it to always be on the defensive? Or is it to be proactive about this and counterattack and make sure you're always growing? Well, the answer is a little bit of both. On the one side, you wanna have a clear line of communication with the client and you wanna know exactly where they're at, where the project is at, and they need to know how soon they need to get back to you, which needs to be agreed upon, and they need to pretty much guarantee that they're gonna leave you a review, okay? And if you do this and you have constant flow of clients, constant flow of reviews, and things are generally positive, you're gonna be quite successful on Upwork. Generally, you want five stars on everything and positive feedback all the way on every single front. And you can see by the types of feedback that can leave you what Upwork finds important and what clients find important. So here's a way to boost, positively boost, your Upwork job success score. This is factor number two, okay? So by having repeat relationships, repeat contracts that are long-term with the same clients. If you have this, this positively affects your job success score. If you don't have this, it does not negatively affect your job success score. But you generally do want to do this because the positive effect can counteract many negatives that can happen on your profile. So here are two negative effects on your job success score. Contracts without activity and excessive lack of feedback. So the contracts without activity, that's really bad. And if you combine that with excessive lack of feedback, that very negatively affects your job success score. In other words, avoid these at all costs. Keep the lack of feedback at zero. Insist that you always get feedback and close contracts when work is done so clients get prompted to leave you feedback. So now I'm gonna share with you the high-level calculation that you can find on Upwork.com of how they calculate job success score. So the calculation is successful contract outcomes minus negative contract outcomes, any outcomes, divided by total outcomes, and that is your job success score. So what about those clients that are a little bit crazy and they're almost violent and they're impossible to work with, they're just unreasonable, and freelancers tend to agree on this, there are some clients out there like that. So what happens when they leave you a bad review? Well, when many freelancers 
leave a client negative reviews, that client's feedback will actually not affect your job success score, okay? This doesn't apply always, but when a client has a bad reputation on Upwork, sometimes their accounts get removed, I've heard, but also their feedback on your profile doesn't count. So what you wanna be doing overall as an overarching strategy is keep a job success score between 90 and 100%. And then there's a good chance that you'll get that top rated status. So Upwork is actually calculating three things. They're looking at your six month, 12 month, and 24 month activity and success rate on the platform. And they're gonna give you the job success score based on one of these three that is performing the best. So if your best one is 24 months, then that calculation is gonna be your job success score and not your six month one. So if you have 24 months of good activity, but your last six months are less good, the 24 months is gonna count towards your job success score and not as much the six month. As soon as the contract is ready or finished, click the close contract button. It's very important that you do that because the client will get prompted to leave you feedback. Any open contracts generally affect your job success score negatively, so don't leave them open. If a contract is idle, close them as well. Also, make sure you only accept clients that are the best possible fit and talk to them and see if you can talk to them normally, if you can be friends with them even on some level, and if they're normal, well-adjusted people that react normally and have a good history of working with freelancers. Otherwise, it's better to probably not work with them. So what about no feedback? Let's talk about that for a little bit. So contracts with no client feedback, they only count negatively towards your job success score if you have an excessive amount of these, okay? Just one occasionally is not gonna affect your job success score unless it's combined with other negative factors. So it's a complicated calculation, but still try to keep it at zero. Try to keep every contract closed upon completion with positive feedback. That's the general rule. But if you wanna completely ruin your Upwork account, then have a bunch of contracts with no earnings and no feedback because that's just gonna trash your job success score. Is it worth it to get top rated? Is it gonna help you succeed as a freelancer or agency owner on Upwork? Absolutely it will. Here's why, not only do you get that coveted little badge that indicates that you're one of the top people on Upwork and allows you to be featured in top rated filter results when clients look for top rated freelancers and agencies only. Also you get reduced fees starting at 10% and uh, on featured jobs and you get premium customer support, which includes phone and chat, and you get exclusive invitations to submit proposals, which means that those freelancers and VAs that work for Upwork, the company, they send you invitations to special jobs, so you get invited more, and you get an exclusive, sorry, exclusive job digest email, but we don't really care about that. You get the ability to exercise more control over your job success score and, well, you can look up that up what that means, but basically it means that you have more control when your score goes down to get it back up and you get the opportunity to check with Upwork during online office hours exclusively for top rated. This is like special support and you get the opportunity to host top rated events in your city. So you can network with other freelancers nearby in your city. So first of all, you cannot get it unless you've been a member and you got hired for the first time via Upwork. So you got any payment via Upwork at least 90 days ago. So if you're starting out on Upwork now, 
get your first review, get your first hire immediately because that's gonna get the timer rolling of that 90 days. And 90 days from the point you get it, you're gonna be able to get the top rated status. So whatever you can do, like get clients from outside of Upwork to hire you on Upwork, whatever you can do, get those reviews, get those hires as soon as possible. So the next thing you need is a job success score of at least 90%. So be very picky with who you work with and try to make sure that you know how to deliver to them. If you're picky and you make sure that you can deliver to them, then they're likely to give you positive reviews. And also if you bring existing clients that are already happy to work with you and they, you know, they are appreciating your work, they're gonna leave you a positive review most likely as well. So that's how you maintain a 90% success rate. Now what I'm gonna tell you is actually, you need to get a 100% success rate. 90% is good enough for the top rated badge, but it's not really what clients are looking for. Clients, they want a 100% success rate. That looks way better in your profile. So the next thing you need is to maintain a rising talent or 90% plus success score on your profile for the last uh, 13 of the last 16 weeks. So I recommend just getting the 100% success rate on your profile and maintaining it for 13 weeks. If you can, maintain at least the rising talent status. So the next point is over the last 12 months, and it doesn't have to be 12 months, it can also be three months, but over the last 12 months or less, you must have made at least $1,000 on Upwork. If you made at least $1,000 on Upwork over the last 12 months, you're eligible. Otherwise, get some clients, get some people from outside of work, Upwork that are already your clients to come pay you if you have to as well, but get some clients to spend $1,000 on your profile on Upwork. The next point is very short, just keep your availability up to date. Just keep it up to date. If you're gonna go on a holiday, set your account to not available when you're in a holiday. Very, very simple. Otherwise, you're getting invites and people are wasting their time contacting you. No one really likes that. The next point is you need to maintain good account standing with Upwork. So don't do funny things like post links on your profile that are not allowed or do anything else that is against Upwork terms of use. Just glance, look at the Upwork terms of use, read a summary at least. I would read the whole thing, it's not that long. Just read the Upwork terms of use and don't do anything that Upwork doesn't like. This is the final point, so you need to have activity in your profile in the last 30 days. That's what Upwork wants you to do. I say not good enough. If you wanna succeed on Upwork, you need to be active every single week. And in fact, I would recommend sending at least 10 proposals per day, five days a week. Now, you need to get hired sometimes. If you do this and you don't get hired, you're gonna get flagged for just spamming people. But if you get hired and you're doing 10 per day, you're gonna get that status so very quickly. And you're gonna get a lot of money as well because you're gonna get clients if things go well. So basically, 90 days, in the last 90 days, you need to have been active. That means proposals, accepted invites, or money received on the platform. If you have all that and the other seven points, congratulations, you have top rated status. So the system that we use to write proposals is called the single focus proof branding system. So the single focus proof branding system. And we use this, I use this everywhere, on my profile, everywhere, on my websites even. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna apply this to proposals. So it's for proposals on Upwork. Okay, uh, that's what it's applied to, it's a framework. So the first step is an emotional hook. The second step is a personal introduction. The third step is proof, 
of course. That's why proof is in the title. And the fourth step is qualifications. The fifth step is the disqualification and then the CTA. Purpose of the proposal, same as your profile, is to get people on calls. And why is this? Because on calls, you can handle any issue that may arise and you can pitch them more easily and you can consult them better, provide better value to them so that you can build a strong foundation with good clients in your business. So the emotional hook, this is the most important thing that you're writing in the beginning. This serves one purpose, hooking them into reading the rest of the proposal. Because if this is not read, then all of this is completely irrelevant and you're never gonna get them on a sales call. So this needs to be as targeted as possible and based on your experience with talking with other clients of a similar kind. If you don't have that experience yet, you can guess based on the stuff that they write in the job post and I'm gonna help you as well. So let's use an emotional hook. An emotional hook is something that triggers them emotionally and gets them to read the rest, as I said before. So to trigger them emotionally, what do we write? For example, let's say, and I've noticed this for sure, so let's say you have also noticed this, let's say that the clients that you're talking to, the prospects that you're talking to interested in buying a website, they're sad about the design of the website and they don't consider it to be a very authoritative website that reflects the qualities of their business, right? So let's say you write, does your website provide the same level of quality as you provide with your service or product? And how do you write this as an emotional hook? So you write, hey John, I'm sure you're wading through dozens of proposals and dozens of people trying to message you and call you on your phone and trying to sell your website and a revision of your website and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, John, I want to help you determine exactly how you can stop looking like everyone else in your industry that doesn't get sales, that looks like a bum, and how you can start looking like the best quality service provider or product salesperson in your entire niche. And this is of course based on your requirements. I wanna make sure that I can provide you with the best possible value here. So here's how we do it, okay? So what I just did is I hooked him emotionally and I wrote him a personal introduction at the same time. So I already kind of spilled over number two and I started talking to him personally as if it's a, just a personal letter to a friend. People used to write letters a lot to each other. I know it's before email, before all that messaging and texting stuff, people used to write each other personal emails. And we're kind of going back to that when we're writing this. It's as if you already know the person. It's not like a stranger, it's not super official. He doesn't want to hear about your CV and all your experience. He just wants to be personally addressed based on exactly what he cares about and based on the exact pain points that he's currently facing in his business. And the more accurate you address the pain points and his desires, the more likely it is he will respond. What you wanna do then is you wanna provide proof because you've just made a bold claim, okay? You made a bold claim that you know how to improve his website so it's way better than the competition in some way that he cares about, right? How do you provide proof for this? Well, provide as much proof as you can. Video testimonials, text testimonials, and any other type of proof like mentions in media, client success stories, client interviews, whatever you can get your hands on, preferably all of the above. As much proof 
as possible, okay? As much proof as possible. The ideal is five times of types of proof, but if you provide one, it's significantly better than zero. So next up, we're gonna qualify the person, okay? So we don't know this person. We don't know if we wanna work with them, okay? So you write, the people that I love working with, the best clients, the most enthusiastic clients, they get the best results, here are their qualities. They need this in their business because it's a vital part of their business. It's not just a website with some information somewhere. It's a vital part of their business. And you come up with two or three more qualifications like this. Then disqualifications. Uh, I currently am not able to accept the following types of clients. I recommend price and similar subjects. Just don't be too rude or too specific here because ultimately who you do want to work with is most likely anyone who can afford it and anyone smart enough to work with you long time without causing drama. Then you want to go to a call to action. And yes, it's quite fast. This is not a very long proposal. They're not going to read five pages of your stuff. So the CTEA is book a call. Here's a link. Okay. Here's a booking link like Calendly or schedule ones. And then you tell them what they're going to get. Like why? And with everything, it's about them, not you. The testimonials are a little bit about it, you, but you know, that's just part of the deal. But you never talk about yourself too much. You talk about the client and what they want. Same with the call to action. Here's what you're gonna get on a call with me. Here's why we need to do a call. We need to do a call because I can provide the best, most direct instant feedback on exactly how to get this project off the ground as soon as possible. Within a week or so, we can get this project off the ground, we can start working on it, and within two, three weeks, we can have it delivered. For this, we need to talk, I need to analyze your situation, I need to make sure we're a perfect fit to work together, and even if, after the call, we end up not working together, you're gonna get so much value, it's more valuable than everyone else you've talked to combined. That is my promise to you. If that's okay, if that sounds fair, please book a call. Here are seven proven to work tips that will help you get started on Upwork. So first of all, number one, let me share with you our secret market research data from the Upwork platform. Here are the top four mega niches on Upwork that produce the best results for freelancers and agency owners who want to get started. You'll see an image here and those are the niches, okay? If these are the best ratios of competition versus opportunity. Also, they have a great volume of offers you can choose from. So tip number two, many people starting on Upwork want to cheat the system by getting fake reviews, by creating two accounts or asking a nearby friend with the same IP sitting in the same room as them to give them a review. Now these tactics, they're practiced widely by freelancers who attempt to get on Upwork and all of them are getting banned. It doesn't work, just don't do that. It's better to bring external clients whom you trust to Upwork. That way you get a positive review and Upwork gets a new client and you can get a kickback in the form of reduced fees when working with the newly introduced client on Upwork. Make sure it's not someone in the same house as you uh, as not to make Upwork think incorrectly you're cheating the system. Obviously, legitimate clients and legitimate reviews is what everyone wants, including Upwork and the people working at Upwork. This leads to more sales in Upwork since you're building credibility with the platform and its users. Tip number three, create a long list of keywords to find jobs related to what you sell. People don't just type in exactly the name of the service you think you're selling. They look for words related to the service. Create a work file, let's say an Excel sheet, with the top keywords related to your service. People are looking up on Upwork and 
uh, it's a search engine, right? So they're typing in keywords related to the job that you want to be hired for, and you may want to do extensive research on what those keywords are so that you can find all the jobs, also jobs that don't directly mention what you sell. Tip number four, Upwork produces the best results when you practice good outreach methods. Not just sitting there hoping someone will send you an invite to a job, but sending many personalized non-copy-paste proposals daily. And I'm talking about 10 to 20 per day. Sending videos instead of just text works for many people as well, although not everyone. Uh, to personalize the proposal, pretend you're already on a call with a client and give them crazy accurate advice based on the information you have about them and what they believe they need and what you believe they need. Transform their beliefs about their business without calling them out too much or being too negative. Tip number five, standard easily available VPNs don't work. So if you're trying to hide your IP with a standard available VPN that everyone uses on the internet, if you're using a VPN for, you know, that many others use to access services like Netflix or anything else, turn it off. Like you don't need to watch Netflix while you're getting jobs in Upwork anyway. Just turn that thing off because if and when Upwork detects you're using such a VPN, which many people do, your account is at risk. And I've seen so many people lose their accounts like this. Basically, you need to be in the same country most of the year for Upwork to treat your account as a safe account. If your account or that of one of your associates, employees or freelancers is in the USA or UK, you will actually have access to superior USA or UK only leads. Having access to these leads means you have a competitive advantage over freelancers who don't have access to clients who use those job options when posting their jobs. In other words, having a UK or USA account in your business is a great advantage and will get you superior leads. Remember, people in your business or whom you are working with, even if they're abroad, can send you leads for your freelancing career or your agency. So tip number seven, is the final tip and it's equally important to everything that I've mentioned here. Here's the thing, any guru marketer or friend or anyone else, even well-wishers who give you advice, if they don't back it up with proof, if they're like, oh, I don't wanna talk about that, probably they still wanna help you. I'm not saying they're bad people, but their advice simply isn't worth that much. In fact, bad advice is more dangerous than no advice in most situations. Whenever you need to decide something in your business, in your freelancing career, trust yourself first and then confirm with trusted advisors who have lots of proof and credibility. And I'm talking about real world credibility. Anyone else is simply not worth listening to. And I'm telling you this so you, know, you don't have to go through the same trial and error process for years as I did when I started as a freelancer and agency owner. Have you ever heard someone talk about sales and they say, well, we need to frame control the person into buying and we need to make sure that the person is following our commands and then push him to the buying button and then get him to pay. Have you ever heard anyone say something like that about sales calls? Well, I disagree with this completely. So when beginners learn sales, they learn it in the car salesman method. And that may work if you're a car salesman or you're in a certain markets in the world where that kind of sales works like mainstream sales, uh, sales in shops and stuff like that. But if you wanna learn high ticket sales, you wanna learn how to sell on the phone and sell to smart people who wanna get real results and wanna pay uh, 
up to $15,000 or sometimes even more for a service that is fully delivered online, then you need to use a different sales process. So the second mistake is beginners start talking about all the technical aspects of what they're selling and they're trying to analyze if the person they're talking to should be interested or should buy this technical stuff from them, right? So when you're selling things like services, online marketing services and so on, or tech services or creative or whatever, there's gonna be technical aspects to delivery. And people who buy such services generally are not technical. They don't give a fuck about any of the processes that you're using that are super detailed and confusing to them. They just wanna have a result. And the result is usually not, I wanna buy Facebook ads. The result is usually, I wanna make sure that when people leave my cart, that uh, you know we get more sales and that we get more sales in general and that we get more sales in general and um, my business grows so I can spend more time with my family and so on and so forth. Those are the reasons people actually buy. And the technical stuff is not really suitable to sell to those people at all. So the way I like to approach sales now is, I like to approach sales as a, trusted consultant. It's somewhere between a doctor and your mother pretty much. So in a sense, a doctor is someone who you have to trust. If you have some serious disease and he says you need to get this treatment, you better agree or at the very least get a second opinion and a second doctor is likely to say the same thing as well, right? So when you tell a doctor, I don't want this treatment, they're gonna say, no, no, sit down. You really need this treatment. They know. And that's the kind of certainty you need on sales calls. Furthermore, the doctor will not generally advise you, a good doctor will not generally advise you to go get a treatment that you absolutely don't need, unless they're incompetent, which is a different issue altogether. So a doctor will be a trusted advisor. They won't try to get you killed because, well, you know, that's the opposite of what they're trying to do. And that's the oath they took and that's the training they got and everything says you need to be a trusted advisor. In the same way, when you're selling services on the internet, you need to be a trusted advisor. It's the same type of frame. And the th reason I said you need to be a little bit like someone's mother is, well, I guess you could say a psychologist as well, because you're actually teaching people how to make decisions. Lots of people don't know how to make decisions when buying and you need to guide them through the process. So if someone says, well, yeah, so I need to compare it to other offers and so on and so forth, da, 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 do they really know what they're comparing? Do they know what's important? Do they know how deep they need to go in the comparison, how much proof they need and so on? Well, usually the answer is no. Usually when someone's buying a service, they're comparing completely irrelevant things. They're comparing some kind of uh, how many clients have you had that are of this specific type without even knowing if this type versus a different type makes any difference in the service delivery. People don't know how to buy. People don't know how to make decisions with high-end services. So you need to basically make sure that you're that trusted advisor and that you can help them in their best interest to make the decision as fast as possible uh, once you've decided that they can benefit from the service. And once they have decided that, it is your absolute duty to do whatever it takes to get them to buy from you because you know that they'll get results from it. And by everything, I don't mean lie to them. By everything I mean do ethical sales, like consult them ethically and handle their objections. The first belief that freelancers have that don't sell their services for two to $5,000 is that clients don't have the budget. They don't have the budget because when they post a job, they set the budget to $50 to $500.
That's the range of budgets that people post stuff on on Upwork. Not all the jobs, but most of them. The budget client set on Upwork is not real. It does not represent what they are able to pay you for the project. They don't know how much to set it at. They're just filling out a form and it says budget and they're like, oh, $50? Even if it's a big project, they don't really know what the budget should be. They don't really have experience a lot of the time with how much to pay for a certain service or product. Second of all, they don't understand the scope of the project. They just have a fairly basic understanding of what they really want. It is your job when you talk to Upwork leads on a call, it is your job to consult them, be a trusted advisor and help them figure out how to accomplish the real goals they want to accomplish. If you're able to help them, consult them on the correct scope of the project, duration and recommended budget for the project. Their opinion on the matter is probably incorrect because they don't have the expertise and that's what they're paying you for. Your experience and that of your team trumps whatever they believe about the project. So the second thing is, the second belief that freelancers have about getting high paying clients on Upwork is that there simply aren't any jobs available that are highly paid. The real question you should be asking yourself is which clients can afford to pay for which service on Upwork that result in high creation of value. So where is it justified? Plus, what is currently in high demand that isn't very easy to deliver? Yes, maybe you don't know how to deliver it, but I'll handle that in the next point. Just find services with a high number of job posts that are written in a way where it's clear the client needs a lot of help and would be able to afford two to five thousand dollars or more. You can see this by the fact that either they've spent a lot of money on Upwork or the type of project is quite big, large scope of project, or it's a complicated type of project or just the client needs a lot of work done. So it doesn't, it makes sense to charge two to five thousand dollars or more. Now do this research without worrying about delivery since I'll explain how that works next. The third belief freelancers and agency owners have about their services is that they need to deliver the service that they sell on Upwork themselves. What I know based on real world results is that you can have a team and let them handle project delivery. Now I know what some are going to say oh, it's not ethical, it's not nice, you shouldn't do this, I can't afford to pay them, and so on. It's normal to think this, there's nothing wrong with thinking this. And if you're new and don't have experience delegating your work, there's nothing wrong with this. I understand where you're coming from. I also used to think like this. Now, here's a fact. The whole world runs on business owners who have employees and freelancers that delegate, that they delegate work to. More than half the people an average freelancer's delivered project to last year resold whatever the freelancer did for them for five to 25 times more of what the freelancer got paid. The freelancer got paid, the client got what they paid for and made a profit. This is how almost everything works everywhere with employees, freelancers and so on. Like Apple, like Steve Jobs wasn't making iPhones himself. Everything works like this. There's nothing wrong with delegating work. This is how almost everything you ever touched in your life was created. It is your choice 
to charge clients enough so that you can have an amazing team and deliver amazing results to clients. How is it possible that some clients pay $250,000 for a website while other clients pay $10,000 for exactly the same website? So it's the same exact implementation, exactly the same platform, exactly the same everything in terms of delivery, but 25 times more money. How is this possible? Well, before I go into that, let me just tell you that this is very common. And if you're currently running an agency or you're freelancing and you're selling something for say $5,000, it's very likely that the people you're selling it to, the business you're selling it to, makes a large profit on whatever you create for them, okay? And sometimes the buyer is another seller of the same thing, so you're a subcontractor essentially, and they're selling it as a service for 10 times more money or 25 times more money. This is common practice. You're probably doing this yourself in some way, and it's perfectly normal that some of the work you're doing or other people are doing is being leveraged and resold at a higher ticket. So first of all, what does it really mean that you deserve to get paid this? How do we determine this? What is the logical way to come to this conclusion? And how can you make your business so profitable and so successful that this is a common occurrence, that this is perfectly normal for you? So what you need to look at to sell a website for $250,000 is how much value is it going to generate for the client? What is the leverage that this implementation is going to allow the client to have in his own business? So in a big sale like this, and we're gonna use websites because it's easy to explain, the company that would buy a $250,000 website is a company that's gonna make a lot of money from the $250,000 website. And all kinds of delays and broken things and security flaws and just hassle of communication that slow down the project and increase the opportunity cost for the client. All those types of things, all those types of issues are to be prevented with the amount of money that they're paying. And also the decision that they need to make is more important for them than for a smaller company. So they're willing to pay more money because someone who knows more about a subject matter and an implementation will guide and coach them on the correct way that successful companies have run projects like this in the past and made the amount of profit that this new business or existing business wants to make from their website. So once you have that figured out, which is not the most difficult thing in the world, once you have that figured out, uh, you can generate more value by doing and closing the sale with this client than by doing the same exact sale with a smaller client. So step one will be to find clients that can afford this amount of money because they are or ex are expecting to make 10, 100, 1,000, a million times the revenue or the profit from what you're delivering to them, okay? Once you have that, of course, then it starts making sense to charge very large amounts of money. If you don't have that, if you're selling to someone who's just starting their first website, and they have a small budget for marketing, it doesn't make really, like, it's a huge risk for them, then the odds of you closing a sale like that decrease dramatically, okay? So let me explain some of the pieces of, or parts of value that a client gets 
for the $250,000 versus the client who pays $10,000 for the same thing. So first of all, they get the insurance that the website is secure to the most stringent principles of security on the internet. Okay, they're sure that there is a guarantee based on a long track record of the people creating the website that this secure solid foundation for their business and their investors are going to be able to put money into the business and get more money and in return out of the business. That's one part of what they're paying for. The second part of what they're paying for is a proven process of delivery that is hassle free, saves time and money and doesn't require them to keep arguing and messing around with decisions internally. Instead, they're gently and efficiently guided through a process where they just get the thing that they paid for without drama, without a hundred meetings, without any bullshit essentially. So that's now suddenly it starts making sense that someone would spend this much money versus not spending that and risking dealing with all that. Now, of course, how do you get to this position? Do you need to suddenly hire 20 people with that experience? Not really, because as I said, the same website was sold for $10,000 as for $250,000. So the knowledge was already inside the team that created it. It's just how was it delivered? In this situation, the, res the reseller of the service was in competition with multiple resellers. So the end buyer who paid the $250,000, they're not just paying for a single website. They're actually paying for a competition of multiple agencies that are working on various ideas of how to deliver this website. And then the buyer who's paying $250,000 is choosing from all the ideas, he's choosing the very best solution. That's how they get multiple agencies, really smart teams of people to compete and come up with the one best idea. And as a result, they pay a premium for this service. Essentially, they're paying for a bunch of ideas to compete with each other and for the best idea to come out on top. And the agents that are competing with each other for projects like this, they're actually charging a client way more because they need to compete on various projects to get one single sale for several months. So it actually makes sense for the agency to charge this much, even though their profit margin is very large, because it takes multiple applications, multiple competitions with multiple agencies for them to keep coming up with the best ideas to get to finally get that contract, right? Another thing the end buyer is paying $250,000 for is the fact they're not gonna have to get the knowledge internally. They're not gonna have to train teams, hire teams, retain teams, which is gonna cost them millions. They're not gonna have to do all these inefficient things that a large company would have to do to build something like that internally. It would take them months or perhaps years to build all the knowledge and all the skill to achieve this because it may seem easy or straightforward to you as someone who's in the industry, but for people outside of the industry who are mostly investors and managers of companies, they're not really looking at this one little tiny part of their business as the number one thing that they do. They're focused on the entire business. So they need someone to take a temporary executive role inside of their company, come in and just deliver a result. And for them, that is worth $250,000. And in fact, 
they would be scared to pay someone less than that because internally it would take millions of dollars to achieve the same result. So I can tell you right now that you can get a hundred or $250,000 sale without the competition and without some of the value that I just described. And that is if you sell something fairly unique, if everyone else is selling websites that are e-commerce websites, for example, but you are selling an optimization process along with the website. So it improves the conversion rates. And for every 1% of conversion rate improvement, that's already worth $250,000. If you have your own proprietary process that you follow, that not just delivers the technical aspect, but delivers the marketing aspect on on-site optimization, suddenly what you're selling is not just a cookie cutter website. Suddenly it's a money-making machine for this big company that has a lot of money and guess what? They're looking for your 2%, 20% and 50% improvements that you've developed using your process. So now it starts making sense for you to talk to business owners that are running companies like that and prove to them that your proprietary improvement, optimization and delivery process is unique, one of a kind and cannot be competed with. Now they're going to not just pay you $250,000, they can even give you equity in their company. Yes, it is possible to get equity in a business if you sell websites. Now here's a bonus, okay? Here's how to make the deal even sweeter. So on top of the $250,000, they let's say they don't give you equity, they give you a certain amount of money every year to maintain it. And you would potentially think, okay, well, maintenance, you know, it's fairly cheap, a couple of hundred bucks per month. Well, in a business doing tens of millions of dollars on the platform that you've built for them, there's going to be a significant amount of maintenance that is required, keeping up with current technologies, with current legal obligations on how privacy is handled on websites and all that kind of stuff. It's pricey. You're going to have to have experts on your team and you can charge serious premium money for this. It's not too complicated if you're in the industry. It's not too complicated if you're constantly immersed in projects like this and you have like 10 clients like that going on at any given moment. So essentially what you can do is you can sell the $250,000 website and then you can maintain relationships with all the clients you sell this to and keep delivering a working solution to them year after year after year. And they're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars on the platform that you've built for them. So they don't have to worry about the technical aspect and they can focus on being whatever business that they are without worrying on the tech, without hiring tech people, without having offices for tech people, without having HR for tech people, without having pension plans for tech people. They can just focus on doing what they're good at. And this is big business. If you want to join in and join the ranks of companies selling huge projects like that, the outcome can be millions, not just $250,000. So congratulations for getting through the entire video. I know it's a long one. We're not finished yet, by the way. Don't forget, there's still a competition. One in 100 commenters below will win a private consultation with me personally. So do comment to make sure you're participating in that competition. Now, I also want to share with you what some of the people are saying who I've worked with, who've gone through the process, who've built an agency. We run a business, it's called businessmatter.com and the program is called Business Matter Insiders. So here's some of the people that I've worked with who started a business from zero and how they built a business with me in Business Matter Insiders. Here's a whole list of them 
and their stories. I want you to hear it from them directly because I don't like to brag, but here are some success stories in BMI that we've achieved over the last year and a half, two years, three years. Here you go. So this past month, I've doubled more than anything that I've ever made any of these past months. And I've learned basically how to position myself as an agency, how to, how to hire more people. So I now have a full team of you know designer, developers, project manager, and like, I can't believe that. So I can't believe that one year ago today, I was happy just, I would have been happy just earning $2,000 and just traveling around. And now I'm, you know, earning way more than I ever would have thought and like actually managing a team, which is crazy. We build e-commerce websites for people. I was able to close my first uh, deal at over 20K um, in revenue um, ever, really. I, I don't think I've ever closed a deal that, that big. Um, and, and so, yeah, that it's been... Yeah, it's been really great and also a big learning curve for me. Obviously, now it's a lot faster to close larger deals because I do it on the phone. Um, I'm getting better at sales myself. In the past 30 days, uh, the funnel has exploded pretty much for me. Followed the process and everything is going well. And what type of business do you run? So I run a web development agency and uh, yeah, we develop e-commerce websites and websites in general. The clients that I'm getting, I would say 80% are pretty good clients. There's always going to have these other clients, but uh, it's pretty good health of leads in the final. From $3,000 to up to $7,000 at the moment. And I've got four people currently working for me for delivery and uh, lead generation. Um, last year, I got about like 15% more um, profit in the end than than I did before, but the, the way more interesting part is actually that um, this year I'm really seeing the big changes. So so I, before I already had lots of things going on and some of that took longer to change than I thought, but this year things are really moving. So so this year it's mid of February and I already sold more than I did the whole last year. Now that you've gone through that, you've seen what is possible, you've seen people building a business from zero following these strategies, now it's up to you. Go implement.